We began looking at Jonah last week. And this week we're looking at Jonah the prodigal prophet. Jonah chapter 1 and verse 4. In fact, let's read from the beginning. We'll read the whole chapter. I'll wait a moment until you get there. It's easier if you can actually see it in front of you as well as hear it read. And because he's one of the minor prophets, very easy for us not to be sure, quite sure where he is in the Bible. But Jonah chapter 1. And verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa. And he found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And last week we looked at the fact that Jonah got a clear call from God, but Jonah decided uh, it wasn't a very safe thing to do, that he didn't want to go to Nineveh. Nineveh was a dangerous place. And anyway, he didn't like the Ninevites. Uh, They were bad people. They were definitely bad to Israel. And he would just assume that they did get exterminated and destroyed. That's really what he wanted. So he didn't want to be the one going and bringing the message to them that was going to see them change. And um, he didn't want to be in danger himself. So what he did was he decided to take a holiday. Right? God told him go 500 miles uh, east. And Jonah decided he would go 2,000 miles west instead. Uh, He was going to get as far away from trouble as he possibly could. And interestingly enough, we noticed that as he went, he happened to have the money uh, for the trip. He happened to find a boat that was willing to take him to Tarshish. Everything was just going fine uh, for Jonah, or so he thought. But God was on it. God was on it. God was going to deal with it. And God was going to do whatever it took to bring this prophet back. And he's used the story to great benefit and help for us in our day and age. But Jonah becomes a prodigal prophet, and he thinks he's getting away with it. But, of course, you never get away with it. Uh, God is not somebody that lies down and forgets it. When <clears throat> What God does is God steps in and God begins to deal with his prodigal prophet. And that's where we're going to go today uh, with our message. So verse 4, But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. And the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship and he lay and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God. If so be that thy God will think upon us that we perish not. And they said, Everyone to his fellow, Come, let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell upon Jonah. Then said they unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us? What is thine occupation? And whence comest thou? What is thy country? And of what people art thou? And he said unto them, I am an Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. Then were the men exceedingly afraid, and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. Then said they unto him, What shall we do unto thee, that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea wrought and was tempestuous. And he said unto them, Take me up and cast me forth into the sea, so shall the sea be calm unto you, for I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to the land, but they could not, for the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. Wherefore they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, 
Let us not perish for this man's life and lay not upon us innocent blood. For thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. So they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Let us pray. Father, would you bless us this morning as we look to your word? Lord, would you open it up to us and open our hearts up to you? And Lord, (laughs) may we be helped. May we be encouraged. May we be challenged. May we be convicted where it's needed. But Lord, we ask you now to have your will and way in every heart in this room. And Holy Spirit, we know that you can speak and we know that you can communicate very clearly. Lord, would you communicate to each of your children? And Lord, would you speak to us? For Lord, we desperately need it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so Jonah is a prodigal prophet. He is on the run from God. Now, it's kind of unfathomable to a certain extent why Jonah would do this. He was God's man. He had been used before as a prophet. You know, he's, he's, he's a preacher. That's his life. That's his livelihood. That's who he is. That's what he is. And yet, Jonah decides to do a runner. Jonah decides that he's going to take off, that he's going to go in the opposite direction. He doesn't like what God is telling him to do, uh, and therefore he's not going to do it. Now, very often, we're fine with God as long as what God is telling us to do is what we want to do. But do you understand that you know, if we just obey when we agree with it, that's really no submission at all. And in all of our lives, there have to be those times when God asks us to do something that really is not what we want. That really is unpalatable to us. And God, is, God brings something to Jonah at this point, and Jonah shows his true heart. And what he does is he takes off running. Now, I really don't understand why we do that. I don't understand why people go on the run from the Lord. They do regularly. We, we see it here in the church. We, we, we see people from the men's home. We see people from the school. We see people that have gone through Bible college. We see preachers. Um, I know two of the guys that I went to school with, good guys. But you know what? They walked away from their ministry. They walked away from their families and found the one from God. And I honestly don't understand what is it that makes someone think they can be blessed apart from God? What is it that makes someone think, you know, somehow I'm going to make it? Now, listen, they're not blessed. They never are. By the way, people who are on the run from God are hardly likely to come and tell you before they're ready to turn back. Uh, that, listen, you know what, it's hard out here. They'll always put a good face on them. They'll always make it look good. But, you know, all God has to do uh, to deal with somebody is just simply remove his presence from the situation. And as soon as he removes his presence from the situation, it gets hard. I mean, we need God. You know, Jonah says, uh, we looked at it last week in, in chapter 2 and verse 9, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercies. Jonah was in a no-mercy land now. Now, he felt fine. You know, he goes down into the ship, and he goes to sleep, and he thinks, Ah, I escaped. But he hasn't escaped anything. He hasn't escaped anything. God is dealing with it. God is beginning to work with it. And there's going to be no blessing in Jonah's life, uh, you know, until he gets things straightened out with God. There's just going to be no blessing. God can't bless our sin. God can't bless disobedience. God can't bless it when we go our own way and do our own thing. It it just doesn't happen. What's going to happen for Jonah is it's going to get um, worse and worse. But how do you cut God out of the equation? Yeah, people do regularly. They just cut God out of the equation. It doesn't matter to me. I'm not interested. And I'm going to do my own thing, go my own anyway. And they 
cut God out of the equation? How do you do that and expect life to work? Uh, <clears throat> let me say this, because I know that some of you are dealing with, 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 with loved ones that are prodigals. You know, you may have somebody in your home, somebody who used to be in your home. You, you may even have a relative, you know, somebody who was a preacher, somebody who was uh, serving the Lord at one point, and, and they've turned and they run. And there are times when we feel responsible for what's happened. There are times when we feel like it's my fault. Now, that's part of what God does, because God deals with us and helps us to see where we're at fault. But underneath all of it, remember this, and always remember this, there's free will. People choose what they're going to do. And I honestly believe it's a choice for people. People choose to go their own way. They choose to do their own thing. That's, it's, it's really down to it. And you and I can choose too. And the other thing that we need to notice about Jonah, and we're going to look at the prodigal son as well this morning, but the other thing we need to notice about Jonah is this. You know, <clears throat> Jonah wasn't right with God. He made it look like he was, but he wasn't right with God. And what came, the, 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 the command that came to him was a test from God. Now, you may be here this morning. <clears throat> I mean, you may not be really right with God, but you're here. You got the Bible open. You came for the preaching. You came <clears throat> uh, to worship. But you may not really be right with God. And what's going to happen is a test is going to come, and it's going to reveal your heart. And the issue is always the issue of the heart. The issue is always where we are in our hearts. What's going on in our hearts? Where are we in our hearts? That's always the issue. The wonderful thing is that God deals with hearts. Now, that's what God is going to do for Jonah. You know, <clears throat> it looks pretty much to us like God's mad at him and God's just kind of smashing him around a bit, but he's not. God's dealing with Jonah and he's going to do whatever it takes to get Jonah back on track. He's going to pursue Jonah, and it's going to get grim. It's going to get grim. You know, if you ask Jonah when he's in the, uh, in the great fish's belly, if God loves him, he's not going to say, oh, yeah, I have this wonderful relationship with God. He doesn't feel very loved in there. But God's going to go after him, and God's going to draw this man back to himself, and God's going to use it greatly for our benefit as well. I read a poem this week that really helped me um, <clears throat> actually catch this. And... Uh, um, <clears throat> It was written by a lady uh, way back in the early part of the 20th century. And obviously, from the poem, she knows what it's like to walk away from God. And she knows what it's like to come back, but not fully back. Right, let me read the poem to you and you'll understand. Uh, she's <clears throat> obviously taking her thought from the prodigal son. Muck of the sty, reek of the trough, blackened my brow where all might see. Yet while I was a great way off, my father ran with compassion for me. He put on my hand a ring of gold. There's no escape from a ring, they say. He put on my neck a chain to hold my passionate spirit from breaking away. He put on my feet the shoes that miss no chance to tread the narrow path. He pressed on my lips the burning kiss that scorches deeper than fires of wrath. He filled my body with meat and wine. He flooded my heart with love's white light. And catch this next part. Yet deep in the mire, with sensual swine, I long, God help me, to wallow tonight. Muck of the sty and reek of the trough, blackened my soul, where none may see. Father, I yet am a long way off. Come quickly, Lord, have compassion on me. And here she is. She's been brought back, and yet she's admitting, you know, 
Yet deep in the mire with sensual swine, I long, God help me to wallow tonight. Now you know what? I think many of us are familiar with the thought that catches there. That time when you want to do something that is wrong and that you know is wrong, something God has redeemed you from and cleansed you from and made you pure from, but the draw is still there. And you know what that is? That's a test. And there's a choice to make at that time. Make the right choice and you go in a... Listen, every test is either a test or it's a a temptation. If you make the right choice, listen, you go forward spiritually. And if you make the wrong choice, you go down spiritually. And, And let me say this to you. Don't nurture that heart. Get away from that heart quickly. Get away from that heart that's drawing you towards the wrong. Quickly move as quickly as you possibly can away from that place. Because even though God plucks you up from the mire and sets you on the rock, it's so easy to go back into it. It's so easy for us to slip back into it. And if we, if we take that verse <clears throat> of the poem, you know what? It becomes easier to understand how easy it is for someone to slip, fall away, and go back into the muck and the mire. And we go down easy. And we go down quickly. But we come back slow. It's easy. What you've got to understand is that in those moments you need to flee to God. Remember Joseph? The story of Joseph when <clears throat> Potiphar's wife was um, <clears throat> trying to tempt him to do wrong. What does Joseph do? He leaves his coat and he flees. He runs for his very life. You know, <clears throat> there's, there's, there's no shame in running away from temptation. That's actually an honor. We need to understand our hearts will will, will draw us back. Our hearts will bring us to those places. And maybe that helps us to understand, too, uh, how prodigals, people who used to be among us, people who used to cry out his name, people who used to stand for him and stand for his cause, today are eating from the trough again, back where they used to be. Maybe that helps us to understand that. Maybe that helps us to realize that. Now, here's the thing, though. Um, we've got people out there who are doing wrong and probably doing more wrong than we even know or even care to know. Uh, but no matter what we, may th- what we may think about our friends or how they're living or what they're doing, no matter how angry we, we might be at their choices, the root problem is never on the outside. The problem is always on the inside. The problem is always in the heart. The externals of it are not really the issue. It's the heart of the thing and the choices that are made in the heart that are the problem. The problem is always in the heart. That's really good news. Because God's in the business of changing hearts. God's in the business of turning hearts around. Now, we're not there yet in our story on Jonah, but God turned Jonah's heart around. God turned Jonah Jonah full circle. Jonah is going to go to Nineveh without question. He fails the first time, goes his own way. The second time, he's going to go. But you know what? Between the first time and the second time, there was a lot of living that Jonah wished he'd never did. <clears throat> there was a lot of time spent that he wished he'd never spent. But he's going to go. He's going to actually do what God wants uh, <clears throat> him to do. You know, God can change hearts because it's his business to change hearts. Now listen, for those of us that are watching prodigals, understand this. It's God's business how he changes hearts. 
It's God's business how he does it and how long it takes, because remember, he's not, going to, he's not going to jump the gun on it. God's going to take, take as long as it takes. You know, look, look with me. We should look at it at this point because it will help us. Look at Luke chapter 15. Get the story of the prodigal son in our, in our minds. Verse 11, Luke 15 and verse 11. And he said, I'll wait for you. And he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and he joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. Right? So he gets all his money together. He goes into the foreign land. He spends all his money on riotous living. And then there's a famine in the land, and he's hungry. He's got no money left. He's got no food. He's got a, got a job feeding pigs. And remember, to the Jewish mindset, pigs are an abomination. Just the very thought of them. The, you know, the, 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 there are no pigs uh, in Israel. They won't have pigs in their land. He's, he's, yeah, to, to his mindset, that, that's an abomination. But he's feeding these pigs, and he wants to eat the pig food. Now, did you ever see pig food? Pig food's not nice. I have a vivid impression in my mind of a, you know, of a, uh, a pot on the end of my granny's range that was for the pig food. This big pot. And you know what went in the pig food slot? Everything. Anything and everything. Um, and all of it went in there, and the pigs got it. And you know what? They never turned their nose up to it. They, they seemed to really enjoy it when they got it. They, didn't, they did, didn't ask about it. And this guy's looking at the pig slop, and he's thinking he wants to eat it. I think I would rather die. But I suppose I've never been there, so I'm not sure. Right? Uh, but this guy's looking at the pig food, and he's saying, I'd like to eat that. I'm so hungry I could eat that. But then something happens for him. And when he came to himself, he came to himself. Now, what does it mean to come to yourself? What does it mean in this case when we talk about him coming to himself? He came to himself. He realized, I'm a dope. I'm an absolute Dope, this is ridiculous. What am I doing here? Why am, why am I looking at pig slop and wanting to eat pig slop when... <clears throat> and he arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him... Sorry, I'm, I'm missing a part for you here. Uh, <clears throat> and when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he rose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. 
And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe, and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf, and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive, was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Now, let me just draw a couple of points here for you. First of all, you know what? This didn't happen until he came to himself. You know the hard thing for us? The hard thing for us is waiting for somebody to come to themselves. We have a hard time with that. We want to go and persuade them to come to themselves. Have you tried that? Totally unsuccessful, isn't it? You can't bring repentance. That's something God does. Listen, you, you can follow after them. You can do all. You can't persuade them because free will makes the choice and free will's got to reverse them. You've got to wait for them to actually come to themselves. Secondly, the father didn't go after him. He waited until he came to himself and came back, and then he received him back with joy. He ran out to meet him because he was coming back. He had changed. He had repented. And it's easy for us to go after a prodigal too soon. It's easy for us to, <clears throat> to come to the place where we're so burdened uh, for the sinner that we want the sinner to turn, but the sinner's not burdened for their own sin. And your burden doesn't do it. Your burden won't turn somebody around. And they've got to come to the place where, the, where their own sin has cost them sufficiently that they're ready to give in. And sometimes... <clears throat> You know, because of love, what we do is we, we want to prevent somebody from experiencing the consequences of their sin. You can't. Ultimately, they've got to experience it because they'll never be ready to turn around until God gets to deal with them, until God gets to really work in their lives and deal with them. You know, <clears throat> Jonah's going to turn around, but Jonah's going to turn around because God puts pressure on him and keeps turning up the pressure. Until Jonah gives in. Until Jonah says, okay, I can't bear this. And that's a God thing. We're not able to do that. And in all honesty, you know, we don't know what pressure it's going to take. We don't know what God is doing in somebody's life to bring them to that place. But we've got to get out of the way and let God do it. Let God do that work in somebody's life. We cannot turn them around. It's impossible. You see... Repentance is, first of all, a work of God in the human heart. It's a God thing. Repentance is not a man thing. Listen, you can persuade somebody to repent of their sins. It's not good. But you know what? That's not a God thing. It needs to be a God thing. When there's real repentance and the Spirit of God brings conviction of sin and somebody turns from their sin, listen, there's repentance that's life-changing. You see, you can see different repentances illustrated in the Bible. <clears throat> Saul repented and, and in um, 1 Samuel chapter 15. He repented. He was sent to uh, destroy the Amalekites. He brought home Agag, and he brought home the sheep and the oxen. And um, <clears throat> when Samuel came to him, he said, okay, okay, I'm sorry. But there was no repentance. And God didn't accept it. And you see, repentance is a work of God in somebody's heart. And as tough as it is, you've got to stand out of the way and let God bring it. Let God do the work. Let God bring somebody to repentance. Listen, <clears throat> if you believe that God is God and he's in charge of the world, 
and in charge of everything in it. You know what? He can do it. He can do it. Now, he won't override somebody's free will, but God can do it. And God is willing to do whatever it takes. God had a plan for Jonah. God, Jonah was going to fulfill that plan, and God was, <clears throat> was going to do whatever it took. You see, God knows us better than we know ourselves. Isn't that true? God knows you better than you. God knows exactly what it takes. Uh, and God knows how to reach us at the right moment. You know, <clears throat> you can help a prodigal too soon. You can step in before they're ready. You see, Jonah, <clears throat> God said to him, go east. Jonah went, <clears throat> went west. And Jonah was settling down. He was asleep in the boat. It was a nice, easy time. By the way, isn't it amazing how quickly God can change the circumstances of your life? Isn't that absolutely incredible? How God can take things and turn things around in your life, you know, in a heartbeat. God can take and turn them around. And by the way, <clears throat> when you're praying for your prodigal, you need to remember that. And you need to be praying for that. And God won't do it until the time is right. But when God decides to do it, listen, he can change everything very quickly in somebody's life. God's able to stack, the, uh, stack it against somebody so that really to stand against him is foolishness. But God can do that, and God, God is able to do that. <clears throat> Jonah's about to learn the truth. He's living in a little dreamland. A dreamland, happy land. Listen, you know what? I'm asleep in the boat. Um, I've got peace. This must be what God wanted. I was able to find a boat. I was able to uh, get peace. This must be what God wanted for me. I'm okay. Everything is okay. He's living in this happy place. I'm going on a Mediterranean cruise. Uh, he would soon be in Tarshish, beautiful Spain, and everything will be okay with him. But God had a totally different plan in mind. And what God does is God just begins to turn up the heat on Jonah's life. God begins to deal with him. God can send a storm to get your attention. <clears throat> the Lord sent a great storm into the land in, in Jonah chapter, in, in, into the sea. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so the ship was like to be broken. Now, <clears throat> listen, I've never been in this position. I hope I never am, right? But, but they are in a storm that is so big that their little ship, it feels to them like it's going to break. It's going to snap in two. And remember, you're not talking about big ocean liners that are made of steel. You're talking about wooden boats, and it's probably not a very big boat that Jonah is on. And this boat can sink. You know, everybody's terrified, except one guy, Jonah. He's asleep. But God can send a storm into your life, <clears throat> and it must have been a bad storm for these guys, because these, these, these are seamen, these are not, uh, you know, landlubbers. These, these were, were seamen, it must have been pretty bad to, to get their uh, attention. They even began to throw all the wares of the ship off. You guess what that meant? That meant their trip was going to be profitless for them, and profitless for everybody else. <clears throat> they, they were so scared, they began to throw it all off. God is able to bring sufficient pressure to bear in your life that you feel like it's going, you're going down. And he knows exactly when to do it. He doesn't just do it when we think he should do it. You know, <clears throat> we see somebody going wrong and we say, okay, Lord, fix it now. Now's the time, Lord. Deal with it. And God doesn't, God doesn't kind of respond to when we tell him to fix it, does he? God waits. God waits with Jonah. <clears throat> God waits with the prodigal. He waits until it comes to the place. You see, remember that what God is interested in is God is interested in a free will choice. If God steps in and <clears throat> makes somebody do it, it's useless to him. God wants it to be a free will choice on their part. So what he does is he waits 
until the time is right. He waits until it's time to turn them around. But he can send a storm. God can send adverse circumstances into your life. Just out of nowhere. You can have a storm. I was reading a story about a BBC uh, uh, presenter. And in the 1990s, I I forget the guy's name, but in the 1990s, he was... um, He was, he was flying. Everything was going well for him. He moved to the Isle of Man with his wife, and everything was going well. He was doing, producing his shows. He was in the money. And then one evening, his wife found a text on his phone. And <clears throat> to cut a long story short, the relationship broke up, was destroyed. And, um, but he couldn't take it, and he kept trying to approach her, and she got a barring order against him. And next of all, he found himself with no job and in prison. And he did several terms in prison. <clears throat> and then he moved back to England, and um, he was living with his sister, and he broke the, uh, the, the, the restraints again. And at the time the interview was taken with this guy, here he was, and in the, in the 90s he is flying. Everything is going great for him. But we come 10 years later, and his life is completely destroyed. He's on the run from the police. He's blaming everybody. He's just ruined completely. Now, <clears throat> it all started with just one text. That is wife saw. Just one text. It turned everything around in his life. Do you know what? God can bring adverse circumstances into your life like that. I mean, isn't Job a classic? That's Job, rich, wealthy, everything's going well in the morning. And when it comes around to nighttime, everything's gone. Everything's gone. God, God can do that in your life. You know, <clears throat> part of trusting God for a prodigal is trusting that God is able to bring the storm. God's able to bring adversity into somebody's life. God is able to bring the sudden death of a loved one. God can do that. You know, we're we're terribly concerned about death. We are terribly concerned about death. You know, it's kind of it it looms huge on the landscape for us. But remember, as far as God sees it, for His children at least, death is just you know changing from one world to another. It really is not the big deal to God that, that we think it is. And God can bring the death of a loved one um, into our lives. God can bring a financial collapse. And you're doing fine money-wise. Everything's going fine. Everything's okay. And all of a sudden, God can just collapse the whole thing around you. And again, you know, those things seem huge to us, but they're not really huge as far as God's concerned. But God can bring financial collapse into your life. Uh, God can bring a desperately sick child into your life. God can cause your career to just come unglued and fall apart. God can do anything. And what you'll find is that God will do exactly what it takes to put the pressure in the right place. Because he knows what to do. Now, <clears throat> don't go telling God his job. You know, don't go, don't go you deciding, here's what you need to do, this will, this will actually, don't, because you don't know. You don't know. Listen, God knows exactly what it takes to turn a prodigal around. God knows exactly what it takes. You know, <clears throat> Some of the toughest prayers that you pray is when you, when you ask God to work in somebody's life and bring them to the point of salvation. Because I, I think, honestly, I think God answers that prayer. I don't think for a moment that you pray that prayer, the Holy Spirit just says, no, nah, it could be bothered. I think that if you consistently pray for somebody's salvation, what you'll consistently see is God working in their lives. Now, he stops short of breaking their wills. In other words, making them do it. But you know what? He makes it very unreasonable not to get saved. He makes it very unreasonable in their lives not to turn to him. 
you know what some people <clears throat> some people have been praying for for years and and you know what man, it's dreadful you, you you almost feel bad praying for them but you know whatever God has to do in somebody's life to bring them to himself that's fine whatever <clears throat> they're going to thank God for that difficulty that problem in their lives eventually and the same is true for the prodigal Lord whatever it takes Whatever it takes in that life to turn that life around, Lord, just do it. Because it's more important that they love you and walk with you for them, for you, for everybody. That's really the way you need to pray for it. <clears throat> you know, uh, it, it's easy for us to want, to want to ease the pressure on someone that we love. But when we ease the pressure on somebody, what we do is we actually make it longer, make it harder. We need to let God have his way and let God do what he wants to do in the situation. Now, something to to know this is this, that others are going to suffer because of the prodigal sin. Others are always going to suffer. Listen, there's collateral damage. Nobody lives on their own. You've heard the poem, or the line of the poem, anyway, no man is an island. We're We're not islands. You know, we each are interconnected. We affect each other. You know, we impact each other. So that when I do wrong, it affects you. When you do wrong, it ultimately affects me. And it affects the people closer to you much more than it affects other people. You know, here's Jonah. He goes on this boat. He thinks, great, I'll get away from God. I'll go and do my own thing. It's fine. But you know what happens? Not only is Jonah cast into the sea and swallowed by the great fish, but these poor men go through the trial of their lives in a storm that looks like it's going to destroy the ship and them. They cast off the goods of the ship. Listen, all the goods get lost. Whoever owned them and was having them transported, they lost. These, <clears throat> these sailors lose because of what Jonah's doing. Understand that, that we never sin alone, that we never sin unto ourselves and, and nobody else gets affected by it. Other people are always affected by it. That's just the reality of life. That's just the way it is. There's, there's no way around it. And understand, that's what happens. That's what happens in the life of a Jonah. And understand, when you turn away from God and go and do your own thing, other people are going to be hurt. Other people are going to be affected by it. Other people are going to be caught by it. You know, one of the things that should keep us from turning away from God, what are the lost going to do with this? What does a lost person do? What are the people that have been looking at you and your testimony for years? that have been looking at you and seeing you <clears throat> walking with God and claiming to be his and claiming to be holy and all the rest of it, and all of a sudden you turn and you walk away, what do they do? They look and say, didn't believe it anyway. It lets them off the hook. It removes the, <clears throat> the conviction of the gospel that your testimony is. So, listen, lost people know what Christians are supposed to do. They're amazing. They're amazing. They have a reasonably fair idea of what holy is. They may not be holy. They may have nothing to do with being holy in their lives. But if, if, when it comes down to it, they will tell you what you and can't do. You can and can't do because you're a Christian. They know. They know what it is to be holy. And when you turn away and walk away, you know what happens? You let them off the hook. They say, "Ah, it's not real. It's not real after all." Because you're the light. You're the one that shows them the way. You're the one that they see. They may fight with you. They may hate you. But you're, you're, you're manifesting the reality of Christ. As imperfect as you are, when you turn and walk away, what happens is you, you take that away from them. <clears throat> Other people suffer because of your sin. 
you, you just can't avoid it. That's the reality of it. God can send someone to challenge us, and he does. <clears throat> God's merciful. But he sends someone to challenge us. Now, it's very interesting here. You know, you would think that to get Jonah, you'd have to get a higher, higher than Jonah, right? Uh, you have to get a bishop or somebody like that, bigger than, bigger than Jonah, right? <clears throat> to come and tell him what to do. But you know what God does? Who God has to actually deal with Jonah? Lost people. God does that several times in the Bible. He has lost people actually deal with his, with his, with his children. Uh, <clears throat> look in verse 5. Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and so he lay and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. You know what this, this unsaved man, this heathen man, is doing? You know what he's doing? He's saying, Jonah, get up. Get to prayer. Call upon your God. What we have is an interfaith prayer meeting going on here. Everybody believes in different gods, but that doesn't matter. The ship's going down, and everybody's crying out to their God, and he wants Jonah praying too, whoever Jonah's God is. Uh, So he gets Jonah out of bed uh, to to, to come to the prayer meeting. Then they said, everyone to his fellow, come and let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. Then said they unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us. What is thine occupation, and whence comest thou, and what are thy country, and of what people art thou? And he is confronted with the fact, I got the short lot. I'm the problem. That's where we get the, <clears throat> get the expression, uh, who's the Jonah in the situation? Right? Everybody else is in trouble, and it's not until they draw the lots that they find out who the Jonah is. And the Jonah is Jonah, and it's his fault. And you know, all of a sudden, he gets a wake-up call. I'm the problem. I'm the issue. I'm the difficulty. And understand that there's always a difficulty caused for other people. And he said unto them, I am in Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven. Well, not very well, Jonah, right now. Although maybe with the sea raging, he's getting to fear God. And you know what? Usually, when we do something stupid, the fear of God in our lives is low. Now, the fear of God does not need to be this petrified thing we're afraid of. The fear of God is just recognizing the reality of he's God. He's in charge. I don't want to go against him. That's the fear of the Lord. I want to be right with him. He's God. He's in charge. I don't want to mess with him. And Jonah's fear of the Lord has gone pretty small, but God's going to help him with that one too. And one of the things that happens when God begins to deal with somebody is they begin to fear him because God's dealing with them. God's working in their lives. Uh, uh, the God of heaven which hath made sea and the dry land. Uh, <clears throat> then were the men exceedingly afraid and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. And they're saying to him, Why did you do this? Why did you run away from God? Unsaved men. Unsaved men are, 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 are giving this guy uh, the business because he's walked away from God. The, the unsaved have more faith than Jonah does right now. They're actually seeing the picture for what's really going on, and they're going after him about it. <clears throat> and so they say, what, 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 what do we have to do unto you? And he said, take me up and cast me forth into the sea, so shall the sea be calm. The only way to deal with this is throw me overboard. You know what? It wasn't very comfortable anymore in Jonah's life. Up to the point where he'd been wakened for the prayer meeting, things were going perfectly. But now he's been woken up, they've had the prayer meeting, and all of a sudden... It's looking really drastic. It's looking really bad. Not only is the sea raging outside the ship, but he's going to be cast into it. 
all by his own some lonesome. Now, I don't know about you, that's terrifying to me. <clears throat> I love swimming. I love swimming in the sea. But you know what? To be out in the middle of the ocean and cast into it, that's terrifying. And that's where Jonah is now. All of a sudden, God has taken the burner and turned up the heat incredibly in his life. All of a sudden, it's no longer comfortable to go to Tarshish. All the dreams of an easy life and things working out, and they're all going up in smoke now. There's no way this is going to work. He's going to die. You know, you have to wonder, is Jonah thinking, what was I thinking? That was ridiculous. Now, I don't think he's quite gotten there yet. Because if he'd gotten there, he'd gotten right. But he doesn't get right. It takes three more days for him to get right. Three more days for Jonah to get right. Now, listen, <clears throat> when they were thinking of throwing me in the sea, I think I'd be getting right. You can call me a coward if you like, but I think I'd be getting right when they were thinking of throwing me in the sea. Because if I was going to die, I wanted to be, I'd want to be right with God uh, when I actually faced him. But Jonah's a hard head. Jonah's a tough nut to break. We'll see that again in chapter 4. He is a tough nut to crack. And what Jonah is saying is, <clears throat> you know what, listen. Look, throw me in the sea. I'd rather die than go to Nineveh. I'd rather die than go to Nineveh. Now, <clears throat> I don't know there are many people as tough as Jonah is, but there are tough people out there. There are tough people who will stand on pride and deception and delusion, uh, <clears throat> and they will stand on those things until, until their lives are really destroyed. And listen, God is full of mercy, but he's also merciless. You know that? Whatever it takes in Jonah's life, God's going to do. God's not like us. You know, listen, we put the pressure on something, and you know, when it doesn't work, we feel, oh, that's too much. No, and we back off. But God doesn't. He's mercilessly merciful, if you want to put it that way. <clears throat> he won't draw back. He won't hold back. He just keeps the pressure on. When God's going to do something, he's going to do it. And he keeps putting the pressure on. And that's what's going to happen for Jonah. He's going to keep putting the pressure on. So Jonah's not going to get right at this point. Well, that's fine. Uh, uh, the guys, to their, to, to, to their, uh, you know, their honor, they say, we don't want to throw you overboard. That's, you're, you're dead if we throw you overboard. And so, so they roll. They try, they try and hold on, hold on to him. Don't you think, by the way, listen, it's to their credit that they didn't. But don't you think if they just thrown him overboard, they would have saved themselves a lot of bother? <clears throat> but they don't. They, they, they're going to, they, they can't do that. They're going to hold on, right? <clears throat> uh, so in verse 14, they cry unto the Lord, and they said, don't, listen, don't hold this against us. It's, it's his fault. So they took up Jonah, and they cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what happens here? Here you have these unsaved Men, these unsaved sailors, they've been on this boat now for hours. They've been trying to get good of this storm. They've been trying to uh, get the boat going somewhere. They've been trying to work this thing out. Uh, the storm's getting worse. The ship's going to break. They throw everything off the board. A boat, the, the ship's going down. Finally, they say, listen, you said it. We're going to have to do it. And they throw them overboard. And all of a sudden, just like that, the sea goes calm. You know what the obvious conclusion is? Hey, guys, his God is God. And that's exactly where they come to. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. You know, <clears throat> they made vows. Listen, they, 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 they promised God he was, he was going to be their God. I think they got saved. I think God's incredible. 
I think he's absolutely incredible. I think God works on so many fronts at the same time that our, our little tiny minds would just, would just burn up if we could see all that he's doing. But here he is working on his, his prodigal prophet, nailing this guy to the floor. And on the other hand, he's got another hand over here and he's dealing with these men. And he's bringing them to faith. He's bringing them to trust in him. <clears throat> and you know, listen, some people say, well, well, when you're going through a storm, that's not the place to trust God. You know, when you're in the foxhole and you're about to die, that's not the place to trust God. You should do it when. Well, listen, you should do it whenever you can. Foxhole or no foxhole. You know, listen, you should trust God when, when, listen, he shows you your need of trusting him. Listen, glory for some of you that's in a church service. You get to sit nice and calm and life's going well for you and everything's going okay. And, and, and you get saved in a church service. You've come to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, that's glory. That's wonderful. For some of you, it'll be a lot harder than that. For some of you, it has been harder than that. What happened, what's happened is God's got to put the pressure on. God's got to bring you to the place where, you know, listen, you're crying out with agony, with pain, on the pressure of it all. And listen, that's his mercy working in your life. But listen, whatever it takes, cry, cry out to him. You are a sinner. The Bible says it. The Bible says we're all sinners. You do deserve hell. The Bible says we all deserve hell. But you know what? Jesus Christ paid the price for sin. And the sooner you come to the place where you trust him and depend upon him and cry out to him, the better for you. Don't live life in this world and pass through and miss the reality of the most important thing of all. Jesus died to pay the price for my sins. You will never be good enough to get to heaven. You, you might look at someone like Joni and say, oh yeah, he deserved, he deserved trouble. Yeah, he deserved trouble, but we all deserve trouble. We're all sinners. We've all gone our own way and done our own thing. And the, the reality is we all need Jesus Christ. We all need to be saved. These men believed on the Lord. These men cried out to him. And you know what? That's exactly what you need to do. And it's the simplest thing in the world to do. <clears throat> it's just you come into the place where you recognize your need and you cry out to him to save you. You say, well, listen, I've done that, Pastor, but you know what? I still feel like I'm in the storm. Well, <clears throat> The reality is that God took you out of the storm the moment he, <clears throat> he let that happen in your life. But what you did was you've gone back into the storm. Isn't that right? The reality is that like these, like these sailors, listen, you feared the Lord. You offered sacrifices. You made vows. God, I'll do anything. But what happened was you turned away again and you walked back in. Listen, I believe anyone can get saved in the foxhole. You know the expression that there's, there's, there's no atheist in the foxhole? When the bombs are raining in, there's nobody that doesn't believe in God. Everybody believes in God then. <clears throat> There's nobody saying, I don't care, I don't believe in God. Everybody believes in God then. And, you know, people trust Christ in those things. But you know what? When the bombs go away, we get to the place where we say, hey, it's not so bad. Maybe I don't need to be so afraid of him. Maybe, maybe I can just, you know, enjoy a little bit of my old life. Maybe I can just, <clears throat> you know, um, <clears throat> feast with the swine again for a bit. Maybe I can get away with it. And what we find is that the enemy puts a hook in our nose, doesn't he? And he pulls us back into it. But you know what? Listen, God did set you free from it. And you need to understand that, listen, God is in the business of setting people free. Prodigals, God sets free. Isn't that great? Listen, if you're here today and you're a parent and you've got a child that's a prodigal that's away from God and walking away and doing their own thing, listen, God knows how to deal with your child. Hallelujah. Get the burden off your shoulders and onto God and say, Lord, listen, you're in charge here. You deal with it. You know, get out of the way. Let God do what he's going to do. Let God do the dealing. 
And God will do it in his time, in his way, and with enough pressure. Listen, stop being in the middle. Get on God's side of it and let God deal with it. Let God let God work it out. Listen, you just walk with God and get right with God and live for God yourself and, and, and let God deal with the situation. He is able to deal with the situation. It's his business. Oh, you may have failed. Listen, confess the failure. But get out of the way and let God do the business that God wants to do with your prodigal. You may be here this morning and you're saying, well, listen, you know what, Pastor? <clears throat> I'm here sitting in the pew looking at you and I'm here in church today, but I am the prodigal because in my heart, in my heart, the desire for sin and the desire for the pig's will and the desire... Listen, it's, I, I know it's wrong, but it's huge. You know, listen, if you don't change what's in your heart right now, you are going down for sure. Keep your heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. Whatever is in your heart is going to actually come out in your life. It's going to happen in your life. Listen, deal with the sin. Deal with the sin in your heart before it finds expression in your life and it gets harder. Because listen, the further you go, the harder it gets. Don't put yourself in the place where you're walking away from God and you're doing your own thing and you're going your own way. You may be here this morning and listen, you're the prodigal. You're, You're in church, but listen, your heart is long gone from God. Your heart is far away from God. Oh yeah, you did know God once. But your heart is far away from him. You're, gone, you're doing your own thing. Let, let, let me tell you some things. Because I really don't have confidence that my words can turn anybody's heart. The Holy Spirit can, but I don't. Let me, let me tell you some things. God loves you and will continue to love you. That's not going to change. But understand this. That God loves you way too much to let you just live without him. And to ignore you. So God will step into your life for sure. If you are his child and deal with you as his child, that's just the reality. God will do it. There's absolutely no way around it. You may take 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. You may take a whole lifetime and not not really realize it until you actually meet him. But I guarantee you, God will step into your life and God will deal with you. He cannot but he's God. He's a good father. He never misses it. Oh, listen. God dealt with Jonah. And you know what? It took three days. At least this part of it took three days. Three days and Jonah got it right. Now God put a whole lot of heat on Jonah for three days and finally Jonah got it right. Listen, God is able to do whatever it takes in your life and wait as long as it takes. But he will not let it go. He will not forget it. He will not say, ah, couldn't be bothered. God will continue to put pressure until he brings you to himself. Don't be a prodigal. Listen, think it through. What's to be gained? Listen, the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15 went away with a pocket full of money and came back with nothing. And by the way, don't don't think for a moment there were no consequences. There were consequences. There's always consequences. He got right with God and, and got right with his father. And listen, his father looked after him and took care of him. But you know what? His inheritance was gone. The rest of it belonged to the brother. That's a different story. But <clears throat> there's always a cost. Why, why be a prodigal? Why walk away? Why be so foolish? Why be so hard-headed? Why be so proud? Why be so dumb as to be a prodigal? And number four, <clears throat> listen, if you're here this morning and you're not saved, God loves you. He loves you with a love that you really can't imagine. 
none of us can imagine how great this love for us is. God loves you. Listen, he loves you so much that he drew you here this morning. He loves you so much that he's put people in your life that are interested in you and want you to be saved. God loves you. And God loves you so much that he died for your sin. And if you will call out to him, if you will cry out to him, the Bible says that he will save you. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There's never been a better deal. There's never been a better way around the problem, the issue of sin. Maybe your life's not going very well and you're unsaved and the Spirit of God is saying, listen, this is what you need. You'll be amazed at what God can do in your life. Just invite him in this morning. You know, God is good. God is so good to us that that he shows us the inner workings of his dealings with people. We're supposed to be wise and learn those things. We're supposed to be wise and actually get those things on board in our hearts. Don't mess with God. If you're here this morning and there's prodigality in your heart, listen, give it up. Get it straight. Cry out to God. You say, I'm not able. At least you're able to cry out to God. God, help me. I don't want to go down that path again. Help me. And you keep crying out to God. You know what? You'll be amazed at how God can take and change your life. We serve a God that loves us in the extreme. He'll do whatever it takes because he loves us. Listen, let's not be fools. Let's run with that love, not against it. Let's stand for prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the story of Jonah and for the prodigal son. And, oh, Lord, we know that you love us and you care for us. And, Lord, there are those in this room that desperately need to respond to that love today. Blessed Spirit of the living God, would you just work in hearts and lives? Oh, Lord, would you do a work so deep, Lord, that we never recover from it? Lord, we pray you'd bring, Lord, bring the prodigal, bring those who've got a prodigal heart, bring those that need to be saved, bring those that need to pray for prodigals. But, oh, Lord, may it be that your work is done in our hearts. And, Lord, that we see it and know it and that we're changed. In Jesus' precious name, amen. That's of the piano play. And as God is dealing with you, you step out of your seat and you come and do business with him. Whatever area he's dealing with, you step out of your seat and you come do business with him.